2: Plus.
3: Test your luck in the shadowy world at the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
4: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is a show in season three. If you
1: didn't know, we included the Dean. Dean. and Jazz, here till it ends.
5: Welcome
0: everybody to community building this is not Josh Wiggler as you could probably tell by my voice this is Jess Sterling I am the host today Josh is on vacation but we shall continue. We shall persevere on community building with a special bonus podcast today. We're going to be getting into some fun shenanigans. Uh, if you are a Down the Hatch listener, you may notice a theme this week. We are going all in on Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, we're going to be sorting the community characters into Dungeons and Dragons classifications. If you're new to d d that's perfectly fine. I do have two friends here to join me. Some experts on D to walk us through this adventure together. Um of course you hear D D, you think of the name DM Philly. Philly, how are you doing today?
6: I am so good, Jess. I'm delighted to be back on community building. I love it when I get invited to come hang out with you here. And we get to talk about D. So I'm doing great.
0: Yeah, what could be better, really honestly?
6: Few things.
0: Um, we couldn't do this alone, Philly. Your co-host on Outer Range and the person that I originally sorted characters with on my own podcast, Shit Ninety Shows, taught me with Dawson's Creek characters, the one and only Austin. Austin, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. I this is this is a great week for me uh, <laughs> where I just get to come in, talk about my favorite shows, and talk about D and D all just smooshed together. It's uh, it's delightful. Huzzah!
0: Yes, huzzah! Indeed, huzzah! So, so excited to be here. So excited to be doing this. I love Dungeons and Dragons and I love community. And so if I could just take those two things that I love and just squish them all together, it's going to make for a great podcast.
6: I mean, community is your origin story for Dungeons and Dragons, is it not, just yeah. Not this very podcast, perhaps that we uh, introduced you to your now favorite hobby of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah,
0: first clear. time I ever played was live on a podcast. No pressure, by the way. Like now that no. I think about that, <laughs> first, being like, uh, if you hadn't, if you haven't listened, first of all, go listen. Those are some really fun podcasts. But you get to hear someone completely learn D and D for the first time live on a podcast where i'm just like by the way i'm a rogue and i'm so sneaky like <laughs> <just> <laughs> some this stuff.
6: i mean many someones as a matter of point it was you it was your co-host shash wiggler of course the great Latanya starks yeah. i think everybody else had played before yeah uh, but it was a very fun podcast and if you know nothing about dungeons and dragons but have only watched community i think it still holds up
0: Oh, yeah, there's still plenty of hidden gems, little little breadcrumbs in there for people to follow. Um, but if you are, are new to Dungeons & Dragons, that's perfectly fine. First of all, welcome. Uh, second of all, if you want to play Dungeons and & Dragons and you're a patron at the $10 level of Pocho Recaps, you can do that. We have a dungeon, a thriving Dungeons and Dragons campaign in the Posher Recaps Discord. You could sign up slash patreon if that's something that you're interested in. Uh I play a forest gnome ranger rogue named Lolly. Uh she is a lot and I've learned so much in the past what year and a half now that I have been playing Dungeons and Dragons. I love this game. So we're going to dive on in. Um Philly, if you wouldn't mind Give, a, give the people who maybe aren't as familiar with D&D maybe a little bit of a rundown on what, what exactly D&D is and maybe some of the classifications we'll see kind of popping up in this podcast.
6: Absolutely. So Dungeons & Dragons is the preeminent tabletop role-playing game. Uh, it's not quite a board game. It's much more about your imagination than like a board and pieces and uh, winning as you sit down with your friends and you collaboratively tell a story. You go on an adventure together. Uh, uh, much in the way that we saw in the episode of Community where they play Dungeons and Dragons. So when you play, uh, like a lot of video games of the modern day role playing games, you have a character that you're going to personify. Your character's got a, a couple of characteristics that like make them up. Uh, their species, their race. Are you a gnome? Are you an elf? Are you a dwarf? For you like Lord of the Rings nerds out there? And then you have kind of a job, your class, right? And this is the very like fun exercise in pop culture of like fitting in uh so if this character were a D character what class might they be what race might they be right um i i know i went down and talked about all the classes the other day i don't know if that's a thing you want me to do to like run it through or perhaps austin if you would like to uh, dissect the classes as they are there are 13 classes that we're going to kind of use to break up the community characters
2: Sure, let's 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 mix it up. I mean, you uh you did the rundown over on on down the hatch, but uh, I'll I'll do it today. Uh, thirteen classes. These are our, as as Rich said, like our our jobs essentially that our characters can play in D anD. d Their role in the party. Uh, many of them like come from archetypes that we see in fiction all over the place. So you should probably recognize the general vibe, even if you don't know the name uh, of what we're talking about. So first off the rank, we've got the Artificer. The Artificer is the individual who's all into magical tinkering, building devices, uh, very much the kind of, if you think of Belle's father from Beauty and the Beast, like classic Artificer type of character, the inventor, um, the, the magical item manufacturer. We then got our barbarian, our uh, warrior. Often, while driven by intense emotion, uh, their core ability is to go into a furious rage that is able to make them more effective in battle, able to withstand greater hits. Um, they're often uh, typified as being a little bit more brutish, but they don't have to be. Uh, but that is absolutely sort of the the vibe, the archetype that we're looking for here. The bard. The bard is our musician, our storyteller, our performer, uh, someone who is incredibly charismatic and is interested in navigating story in some form or another, presenting information, weaving tales. Uh, they are also uh, play a role within the party of being a bit of a support class, someone's able to inspire their allies, uh, bolster them against whatever dangers they're about to face. Uh, Another support class we have is the Cleric, uh, who is typically the healer, the individual that uh, that goes around and helps uh, keep everyone uh, alive. But the clerics can come in many shades and forms, often typified by what kind of deity or ideal they serve. Uh, You know, we have our our healing clerics, but we also have our war clerics. We have our trickery clerics. Uh, Clerics come in many shades, as many different gods as you can imagine. There can be clerics for them, Um, but they are uh, very much there to uh, pursue a particular uh, ideal or the, the tenets of their god. We then so sort of step into the druid, and the druid is the, uh, the nature lover, uh, the tree hugger of the classes, uh, the protector of the wild places. Uh, they look after the animals, but they also look after the trees uh, and the earth and the land. Uh, they are very connected into that space. They often have the ability to uh, shapeshift, to actually turn into animals uh, and be able to commune with nature in that way. We then uh, go back to the cities and we go to the fighters. The fighters are our typical martial classes. They are our warriors. They are trained with steel and uh, and uh, and sword and shield. They are, uh, you know, basically, what, what they say on the box. <laughs> the fighters are, are what they say on the box, but they are nonetheless uh, an important part of the party. You need to be able to defeat things in Dungeons and & Dragons and uh, being able to, to come in with your weapons and take down the dragon, uh, cut off its head, is the kind of thing you need to be able to do. Uh, but for those that prefer to fight without weapons or perhaps with uh, a different style of fighting, we have the monk. Uh, the monk is uh, inspired much more by Eastern martial arts compared to the fighter who tends to be more inspired by Western martial arts. Uh, but monks are also typified by the idea of channeling ki, channeling their inner sense of uh, certainty, their, their strength, their uh attunement to themselves and the world around them to be able to increase the power of their fists uh, and their their strikes in the world. Uh, we also have the paladin. The paladin is uh, kind of our a sense, like a bit of a warrior cleric, but is more so driven by this commitment to an ideal, to being able to uphold a particular uh, tenant of justice or vengeance or devotion. They're committed fully to this particular goal in mind. They have a little bit of healing magic. They're able to channel some element of that kind of divine quality, but they are much more driven to uh, go out into the land and make sure that uh, whatever ideal they have sworn to protect is upheld across the you know across the the plains and the maps the ranger uh meanwhile is our uh sort of individual who sits at the edge of the woods who uh heads into the into the forests to to hunt to gather comes back into the city to deliver uh commune a little bit with the fringes of society in that space they are our trackers they are our Uh, survivalists out in the wilds. You know, the classic archetype of the ranger is, of course, Strider, is is Aragorn from from Lord of the Rings. Uh, This sort of wild man from the woods. A little bit mysterious, but the kind of person you want at your back if you're out in those wilds. We're almost there! Four to go! Uh... (laughs) They
6: gave you the tough job, Austin. I'm sorry. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's all good.
2: (laughs) Uh, We've then got our rogue. Our rogue is our sneaky... uh, uh, yeah, as as Jess said, she's a rogue. She's sneaky. Um, they are typically our thieves, our assassins, our, our sort of criminal archetypes that uh, lurk in the shadows, are able to dole out an effective sneak attack, catch you by surprise. They tend to be slippery individuals. They don't inherently have to be evil or malicious, but they often tend to have a little bit of that sort of self-interest in play in the way that they maneuver around the party. Uh, we then come to our three sort of core arcane casters, those that channel uh, magic from uh, pure uh the pure arcane quality the first being the sorcerer the sorcerer is one that is born with arcane ability it is in their blood uh, it is from their ancestry perhaps their great great grandparent was a was a magic user and so it is filtered down the line uh, and it burgeons in their in their qualities uh, it is innate to who they are. They are often able to manipulate magic in ways that others can't, changing the effects of certain abilities through what we call meta magic. Uh, very flexible kind of users of magic because it comes all from within themselves. Meanwhile, warlocks. Are the are the class that uh, don't get to be born with magic, but they want it anyway. So they make a deal for it. They make a bargain with some powerful entity that gives them magic in return for carrying out some sort of deed or some sort of service to this greater power. Maybe a lesser god, maybe a maybe a devil, maybe a, an arch Uh But these warlocks are, uh, you know. their their magic is drawn solely from this particular bargain that they made. And that bargain can come in many shapes and and kinds. Sometimes warlocks agree to this. Sometimes warlocks find themselves indebted uh, to their patron. Uh, And so there can be tension there. But rounding out our list of 13 classes is our wizard. Uh, Wizards use arcane magic. They are our you know, archetypical mage, uh, but they aren't born with it. They don't bargain for it. They study for it. Uh, they learn it through hard work, through hard hours of cramming through the old spell books in the library, uh, gathering whatever magic they have available to them through just fewer force, force of will uh, to be able to uh, to learn it and master the craft of the arcane. And those are our 13 classes. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much, Austin, for saying all of those things.
5: (laughs) So (laughs) many words.
0: (laughs) It's okay that if you didn't, if you don't, like, if you're still a little lost, that's fine. We're going to still remind you of little, you know, stereotypes or, like, kind of um, quirks about each class as we go. Uh, But, yes, those are the 13 classes um there's such variety i mean obviously i'm very biased and i I love a ranger i do really do um but there there's so many good classes there's something for everyone that's the best part is there something for whatever you want to play as there's something there you will figure it out and if there's if you want to take a little bit of everything you can multi-class and so maybe maybe we'll end up who knows maybe we'll end up with a multi-class character as well uh in community um, yeah,
2: it's one of those things that when, you know, when I'm helping someone build a character, especially for the first time, like I try to encourage them to be just, just think about like what kind of character do you want to be? Because then we can figure out the class, like, don't mm-hmm. pay attention to like the mechanics mm-hmm. of how this game works. Mm-hmm. But who is the person you want to be? And I think that's why this particular exercise can work pretty well as we like slap that onto these characters that we see because we're looking at a character that's already there that's already made uh you know jeff annie britta like these are the characters the ideas of characters that our players are coming forth with and now it's up to us as the dungeon masters to help figure out which class are they actually going to play as they head out into the adventuring party which mechanics which vibes of these 13 classes of of races if we want to go there as well uh, are going to best represent this kind of character that they want to play
6: yeah, I mean, I work uh, professionally with new clients who hire me to teach them how to play D&D, right? So I sit down with groups of people that have never played this game before and have a little bit of curiosity. Maybe they watch Stranger Things and are like, okay, sure, let's try that. Uh, and, <laughs> and so uh, what I like to say, and I'm I'm stealing from some of my favorite content creators out there in the tabletop role-playing space, is that uh, the character sheet's an imperfect representation of your character, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like your character more than the numbers on the sheet. And to Austin's point, like, I often dissuade people when, when they come in as a brand new player and are like, I want to play Wolverine, like, I want to play Spider-Man, I want to be a Jedi, and it can be so tough to fit these kind of pop culture characters into the rules of D&D. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, like, stretching and fitting, right? We're looking for, like, the big themes, the big ideas, like, what really resonates about the characters from Community as characters on the show that... That connect with like the fundamentals of the 13 classes, right? Um, at least like that's where I'm coming from. And and there will be many ways to interpret every one of our um very final decisions. Yeah.
0: Oh mm-hmm. yeah. The I mean, that's obviously I'm here yeah. with two very uh, you know, experts on D uh, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, but also we're to an extent, these are multifaceted characters that we are taking <laughs> and shoving into a single box. So <laughs> yeah. take it with a grain it's of salt.
2: We're we're, we're shoving them into the vent, trying to just like fit them in there. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure they're just "Ah, everything's right where it should be.
0: Yeah. So if you disagree with our selections, that's totally cool. I'm curious if you if you disagree with our selections we end up making. Let us know what you think that person actually should be. Very curious to hear everyone's thoughts on this. Um, so let's let's dive in without further ado. Let's jump right in. Uh, first up on the list here, we got We got to go the main man, right? The guy, the head honcho, if you will, the guy who likes to think he's at least in charge, Mr. Jeff Winger. Um, I know I have an idea of what I think he would be because I feel like he's, I think we're starting easy. I feel like he is the most obvious one for me, at least of what class he would go into. To me, he has charisma pouring out of his every orifice. He is the he gives winger speeches constantly to inspire his fellow study group members. I don't know what he would be if not a bard in my in my opinion, at least.
6: I think that's a fair read. Uh, I definitely was trying to think a little bit outside the box, uh, mm-hmm. knowing that I was going to be sitting down with Austin for this exercise. He is <laughs> a very creative individual. I was like, really like <laughs> I wonder, am I like missing the forest or the trees? I think the bard is so perfect for Jeff. And I think it's very suitable. Yeah. I think we also could argue in a lot of ways that Jeff is a rogue uh, in that, like yes. a lot of the abilities in fifth edition, especially are that they're great at these skills. You can have a rogue who's like, So good at persuasion, at deception, at all of like these Jeff Winger things. But then part of me began to posit, is uh, Jeff Winger in fact like a warlock potentially, who has like made this external Mm. bargain as a lawyer? Like his identity is so rooted in this like lawyerism and bringing it back. But I think Jeff... That at the end of the day, I talked myself out of this far reaching theory and came back <laughs> to the fact that he's a bard. I think I very much agree with you. I think that like all of Jeff's strength is in like his language, right? His mastery yeah. with people, his kind of leadership role in the group. It all comes from like these speeches, the inspiration, the kind of um, his mouth, his words, right? Uh, and that is so like intrinsic to what the bard is. The bard has changed across 30 something years of DD. A lot, but uh that part is consistent, right? That they are like charming, they're wordsmiths, they're the face of the party, and that is Jeff Winger, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Austin, what do you think? I feel I like the rogue as a as an option. I just think Jeff is very. Mm-hmm. Out front and wants to be noticed mm-hmm. much more. A rogue's job is to to go unnoticed for the most part, right? Um, what are, what are your thoughts, Austin? I
2: mean, I I you know, obviously you know start at Bard, like that's obviously where we're gonna mm-hmm. where we're gonna start. Mm-hmm. I I really leaned into the rogue. I think Jeff is a rogue. I think mm-hmm. even though uh rogues are typically they're like I'm stealthy, I'm sneaky, I'm in the shadows. <laughs> not all rogues need to be in that sort of space. There are many rogues that can be the face of the party. Uh, because they are they can be charming and uh disarming with with how casual they are uh they can be this sort of charismatic individual even though they can also be slippery you know when things when when their words fail them that's when they can duck away and get away be out of the picture i think uh especially as well as we sort of think about like the kinds of things that, that Jeff does like regularly, he's constantly like avoiding responsibility. He's constantly Mm -hmm. taking that cunning action to disengage, to dash away, to hide. You know, he's hiding at the mall while Annie is moving. Uh, He's, he's lying. He's constantly a liar about what he's doing, what he's interested in. Um, He's constantly deflecting, uh, you know, he is someone that is very hard to pin down uh, and and figure out. And I think what I would do if I were building Jeff as as a rogue is, you know, uh, we do still obviously need that charismatic quality. We do still need his ability mm-hmm. to be an inspiration. I would be giving Jeff the inspiring leader feat, which gives him a very (laughs) specific ability to give a 10 minute speech to bolster his allies. Uh, It's a very specific ability um, that can kind of be tacked onto any character. And I think that's where Jeff sits. I think he obfuscates as a bard. I think people see him as a bard. They see him as this individual that is inspiring his party. But as we see in remedial chaos theory, his, like, idea about how we're going to resolve this issue is a purely selfish thing. He puts yeah. up the front of the bard that is inspiring everyone, but right actually again. he's only serving himself. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, you know,
0: I think uh, – I see what you mean, Philly. So, like, Austin just he, comes in here and he just no, – he, he's ins- got he's got he has the inspiring <laughs> leader feat. He just he comes in <laughs> and he's so convincing. But I, I get what you're saying, Austin, and I yeah, think yeah, to yeah. double down on that. Jeff is also someone that, like, while he does like attention, he's also very roguish in that, like, he does want to be left alone, right? He gets very annoyed when the group is very clingy to him. And so he while he wants to have all the charisma in the world and kind of be the inspiring leader for a second, then he wants to go back to his cave by himself and hang out alone. And I think that makes a ton of sense.
6: I think it's like super important to remember that all of these character classes come in a lot of different like shapes and sizes. Right. And the the notion of like, so once upon a time, the rogue was the broad categorization for the class of thief. And they have changed the thief to a rogue because not all rogues hashtag it. Right. I guess like some (laughs) rogues, they're not all criminals, right. They are experts. They're kind of like in the fifth edition vernacular of D and D they're skill monkeys. They're like experts at many, uh, very conventional skills the things that like we on earth as real people like are doing constantly in terms of engaging with other people insight persuasion and when you start to look at fifth edition specifically the way the classes are all built is they have subclasses and you have these rogues that are like hey yet yeah, like uh so rogues generally are always going to want to be able to fall back into the shadows right but the reality is you have intelligence based rogues that are investigators that are about mm-hmm. like the details and the information and Finding the trap. You have these charisma based rogues that are very much about the deception, the persuasion, the intimidation. Right. Um, and so I, I, like I had rogue as like my primary, but I think that like Bard is very easy and obvious, except that Jeff's not inherently a performer. He is in his right. nature a rogue as a as a person right i yeah. mean like i think he's like a roguish character uh in that way like removed from the dnd of it all so I, I think it really works yeah
0: yeah i love this rogue with the inspiring leader feet i feel like is kind of where <laughs> we landed and i i love this i think it's perfect for he's such a scallywag right he like is. he is and obviously like you said rich like not all Rogues are that specific way. I can say for myself, I play a ranger rogue. I do not think she does not steal she wouldn't Dude, steal, you're not, but it's criminal. not in her nature yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, she's sneaky for sure but she's not look out of going out of her way to steal and you know from people but yeah the other
6: I think really interesting point and I talked about this a little in the down the hatch podcast is the rogue is your very traditional point of view character in like classic fantasy films you go back and you start watching a lot of stuff from the 80s the like fair that I grew up on of like uh uh like your mad Mardigans, your lady Hawks these kind of things like the rogue is the every Man, because they don't have necessarily these supernatural abilities or whatever. And I think very often the the story that a player who like plays a rogue ends up going on in their D&D campaign is one of like a do duel with the heart of gold, right? Like that that they may like start out a little bit nefarious or morally ambiguous, but the like deeper that we go, the more invested they become with the party, with the other yeah. players in the group, and they start to like care and develop personal relationships, and we realize like like, they're not that bad, right? This is all their yeah. defense mechanism. And that's so Jeff Winger's story and
0: community, right? Like, it fits in perfectly, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm convinced. You've all convinced me. Rogue-inspiring <laughs> leader feat for Jeff. Uh, moving on to another character I feel like I could slot in uh, a little easily, but I'm going to go to Austin first. What do you think about uh, Britta Perry? What classification would you slot her into?
2: So I think and this is I think the the trend that I started noticing as I was starting to try to put all of these characters into place is that so many of them I think the characters think they are one class yes. but they are mm, actually another. Absolutely yes, uh, I, I am is.
0: with you on what Britta <laughs> so Please tell me what you think you think Britta is and what Britta thinks Britta is.
2: So I think Britta thinks that she is a paladin. I think she thinks she is out there upholding justice. She is fighting for causes. She is doing good in the world. Uh, you know, she is trying to. You know, she does her best to try to send out her aura of of protection to like bolster her friends and kind of lift them up. She's she in her mind is this wonderful crusader of uh you know everything against the the patriarchy against the <laughs> against the machine. Yeah, she, is is, is, is exactly she is raging against
6: the yes, machine. That is right. Actually, she is
2: raging against the machine. I think in actuality, Britta is a barbarian. She is a blunt instrument. Uh, she is driven by this degree of, of passion, of of anger against the world. She wants to rebel. Um, but when she does it, she does it in a pretty like <laughs> ham-fisted and not very precise yes. way. It's not, she's not fighting the world with the precision of a fighter or the inner sense of self and connection of a monk. She is just taking the, the nearest thing that she can see and smashing patriarchy over the head with it um, <laughs> and often still missing uh, because so, she is... Yeah flailing recklessly um so i think this is this for me was how sort of brita ro- broke down and not just because of of, of the iconic line of raging, I against, am the raging machine. against
0: the machine yeah
2: but that's Love absolutely it. what she'd say is she enters her rage right mm-hmm. um yeah. uh, so I, I think that's where she, where she falls for me Like she has this ideal of, of wanting to be a, a be a paladin but she's actually a barbarian
0: mm-hmm. philly what do you think about austin's assessment
6: I love this assessment of of her perceiving herself as a paladin, as like this righteous justice warrior, right? Uh, I think that very interestingly, sometimes that we like look at these characters and we can like see the like external facade and like take that for that's what they are. And so I had a very similar take that like I think people could easily think like, oh, yeah, she's a druid. She's the hippy dippy tree hugging barefoot in the forest. But that's all like BS this is all like superficial surface stuff and druids like actually have a really like profound and deep and like meaningful connection to all of this stuff that, that Brita does not have so I'm going to malign one of my favorite classes here potentially but I think that Brita's like got a real lack of identity I think that Brita like as especially as we go through the seasons she's kind of always floating and shifting and like yep. waffling, like and it's so hard to nail down like what she is other than this kind of like ephemeral, ever-changing character with a lack of like a real firm identity that I'm going to call her a fighter because I think yeah. fighter is the broadest like catch all categorization of a DD character. I think the fighter can embody so many different things. A uh, fighter is like, you know, uh, go to the Game of Thrones. It's like brawn and it's every other night in plate mail. It's uh, like many of these characters I'm even talking about, your Mad Mardigans. Uh, uh, there's so many different iterations of a fighter and I just think that uh, Britta does like want to be fighting usually with somebody about something and I think often the cause is like not as much of a concern as the conflict and that ultimately like she's malleable and changes right and as fighters like go up in levels they can change their fighting styles Uh, thank you Tasha's but like they do not have this locked in identity that so many of the other classes do and this may be like a cop out but I very like firmly landed here in fighter.
0: This is so interesting cuz okay so I love what you've said of like I had the same thought of very uh surface level druid because of her connection with animals, right? She is forever fighting for the environment but in a very superficial way that does not go much deeper and druids <laughs> as we all know are so connected to nature. So I I also with Philly, I quickly moved on from druid and I also landed between so funny between barbarian fighter and one other class and barbarian for the same re- reasons as Austin said, because I could not get that quote of I'm not <laughs> raging against the machine and fighter because it constantly feels like she is fighting with literally everyone around her. But the <laughs> one other class I do want to throw on the table um, as, as secondary option is when I think of Britta, I don't think of her as uh like as fine-tuned as a tighter ty- a fighter might be, right? Mm-hmm. I don't picture her using a sword. I honestly don't even picture her using a weapon. I picture her using her fists. And so for me, like I don't think she may be as like trained as a monk is but i do think she is punching something she's not bothering with weapons around her she's sticking up her dukes and she is punching the ever loving crap out of things like the pop pop of it all right i could see very much britta being like that type of dexy uh, monk who maybe does have a little bit of wisdom but not so much in the intelligence department. I,
6: I love that take. Is she just, I was thinking this whole time, is she just like a monk with really bad stats who is like having trouble. Yeah. You know what I mean? The rest of them are all like ninth level and she's still third. Like I, I got it guys.
0: Yeah. I could see her being a monk. I just, I i have a hard time with the flurry of blows. Right. Um, I could just see her just not, being able to stop punching um and so i i, I guess it's one of the other uh options i want to throw out on the table because i can see it for her i do also i do love the barbarian as an option though too because uh i picture her as like a you know very low intelligence and low wisdom barbarian that's just like <laughs> i just hit things you know I mean, this is obviously when we get into the later seasons britta where they really like tank her intelligence as time goes oh, on yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah if we're if we're talking and barbarians level,
6: notoriously like as they're raging one of the things is that they take half damage and Britta is like relentless in that way that they do just like kind of yeah she's uh, a I mean, punching
0: bag yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, <laughs> she needs beat. to take half damage because <laughs> she she's takes a punching bag
6: <laughs> yeah that part's yeah. true I, I, yeah. my will is pretty weak here I think Austin could easily sway me on this one yeah one yeah. other thing I, Austin
0: something to yeah. consider between the between monks and barbarians is is uh hit dice you roll hit dice to mm-hmm. on your level ups um to get more uh hp and so monks only roll a d8 it's a, it's pretty average barbarians roll a d12 so what do you think of Brita's constitution maybe we should look at that does she have a hardier constitution like a barbarian or is she a bit on the lower end with a monk
2: I mean, I think she could maybe sort of fall in either space depending on how you want to view her i mean obviously like i'm i I love that idea of, of her being a monk I think you know to uh to sort of speak to one of the one of the properties that we know well uh Jess you know she's got a lot of that beauregard from uh from critical role energy yes. to her of rage uh, you know sort of fighting against the the system. Uh, as, as a monk but uh in terms of hit dice like i do think you know she maybe is a little on the slider side but she also you know enjoys a little bit of uh of recreational use i think you need a bit mm-hmm. of constitution to be able <laughs> sure, yeah. To, to yeah, she's yeah. Yep. Uh, you know the, the other thing that i was trying to use to sort of figure out like is there something here you know if, if barbarian isn't quite right Um, like is there something that we could add from like uh, from figuring out like what her race would be if we were building her out as a Ah. a class you know her lineage that kind of helps like fill a gap in some way if we we aren't like fully satisfied with where we're landing on a class and where I was kind of thinking is like Britta presents very well especially like when she comes in in season one like she seems like she has her you know has everything together Mm -hmm. and then it's so slowly unveiled. like no she's much more of a mess than she than we think and so I think like if we were to kind of go in that direction. Like I'd put her as an elf. And like I'll put her as a high elf, not just for the joke. But uh like she comes in presenting well. She comes in like looking like she has everything like poised and like she has that severity that Abed also points mm-hmm. out along the way. But the more you get to know her, the more you realize that there is a lot going on in the surface. There is a lot of chaos and uncertainty and that, that kind of uh junction point it's not often that we would pair like The elves with barbarians, there's like an inner conflict almost in that kind of Mm -hmm. vibe of of Mm -hmm. how we might traditionally build characters that I think kind of suits Britta's like uncertainty and chaos in a way. That's fascinating.
6: If we're talking about races, yeah. I didn't put a ton of energy into this, but I think that uh, Seder probably, because I think <laughs> that she is like very frivolous. And while she does not have goat legs, like she's very, like, in the moment, hedonistic, impulsive, kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, nonsensical in this way of like a, a fae creature like a Seder is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think the one thing that holds me back from like really being like the monk is the monk's whole internal kind of thing is about mastery and precision. Once upon a time, monks could only be lawful alignments because it's about, like, dedication, precision, devotion, like, yeah. focus, 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 mastery, right? And I think that in that same way that, like, she wants to be a monk, right? <laughs> she, that's the thing. Maybe, she yeah.
0: wa- Maybe that's also what it is. She wants yeah. to be a paladin. She wants to be a monk, right? She tries. She's like, I want to be a therapist. Like, I want right. to go to mm-hmm. school right. for psychology. But she just keeps smashing a textbook with a blunt object. Like, she can't get I mean, it together very
6: notably your fighters and barbarians while traditionally they are not the unarmed combatants we could easily have unarmed brit of the barbarian just like wailing away <laughs>
3: That's true.
6: Somebody, you know. so we uh, the fighter for that matter uh yeah i don't know i think all of these are very interesting i
0: also mm-hmm. kind of love the, the the brit of the barbarian as like a name I like mean, i yeah, feel it's like right, the right
6: benefits. there with conan yeah i mean yeah yeah,
0: yeah. I kind of love it. I think I think you've convinced us. I think I think Barbarian does does fit Britta. I do think it's one, she's one of those characters that again I think I, I've said this before on the podcast. She mm-hmm. is one of the more unique characters of Community, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And so of course we're gonna have a hard time placing her because of that, right? We could give three classifications that Britta thinks she is, and three classifications that we think she is, mm-hmm. because she's a little bit of all of those. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm I'm comfortable if we want to move with Barbarian i think i can see her again just like smashing the table saying she's not done raging against the machine <laughs> <laughs> she just, and also something worth saying is like i think it's telling that we the three classes that we were mainly considering monk fighter and barbarian all melee classes and i yeah. think mm-hmm. that hundred yeah. percent fits who britta yeah. is as a melee character mm-hmm. um amazing uh, let's move on to one of the Otter characters of community. we We gotta talk about Abed Nadir, Philly, because he's such an I think there's a lot of options for Abed. He's so mm-hmm. interesting. Um, what are you, What are your first thoughts on where he should fall?
6: Abed is very interesting, right? I think he's, like, amongst the most compelling characters of community, certainly, like, throughout, right? And he's so fascinating and and, uh, just fun, right? So, immediately, I go to Sorcerer, because there's, like, Abed is who he is, and he is Mm -hmm. distinctly different and apart and unique, and that uh, is, like, a challenge that he's perpetually trying to overcome, and is his strength. It's his, like, greatest strength and kind of asset. Um, But then, and this might be... That Austin has like incepted me, Uh, but. (laughs) I I'm, I I very much Keep coming back to like what is the big thing About Abed other than like identifying That he's unique as an individual Like yeah well all individuals mm. are unique This is the nature of being an individual right So um it's his Devotion and love of pop culture Right it is this external Thing that he draws so much power From to the point that he literally Could like masquerade as like characters he, He's like you know doing the dinner With Abed kind of things like He's channeling so much of like his knowledge, his strength, the way that he impacts the group, the way that he looks at the interpersonal dynamics from this external force. So I was driven to the idea that Abed is in fact a warlock whose patron is media and pop culture. And that like all of his power is really like channeling through his like yes. unique lens of interpretation of the world to like focus out into the ways that he like blasts the party with like his weird <laughs> Abed <laughs> magic, <laughs> Right, like, because warlocks are Abed like magic, wham. I mean, warlocks yeah. are weird. They're weird. They're like very weird. Like, so like sorcerers and wizards traditionally are looking at each other with like a little bit of conflict and tension. Like nerds. Like, oh yeah, you were born with the silver spoon, and then they're all they're both looking at the warlocks. Like, but those guys, whoa. what's up with them? Yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, Philly, it's so funny that you say that because I was going to come in here and say something very similar a la like Warlock with his patron being TV uh, television media. I think the one hesitation I had, which maybe we can talk about is uh, I would say Abed's charisma is it ebbs and flows, right? I don't think he has like a 20 charisma because not everybody loves Abed. Some people are so freaked out by him, but there is this charm there. There's this charm. There's this, uh, like just, he's so genuine that you want to, he's adorable, right? You get the, anytime Abed says anything, Shirley and Annie are, uh, you know, like Abed is cute. Abed's adorable. They want to take care of him. And so I can't. I can't decide whether or not he is a warlock who has uh, made a pact with media to get his powers. Or if he is a wizard who has studied media to its core and he has terrible charisma, because again, he says things and people are like, what the F are you talking about, man? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. what are you even saying? And so I think like, I, I agree that the three I was between was sorcerer warlock and wizard, because even though he could be a College of Lore bard where he never stops talking about media and television Mm -hmm. and all of these fantastical characters and he's obsessed with Batman and everything. I just don't think he has the charisma to be to be a bard.
6: This was my footnote, and I talked about this a little bit, but I've been playing D anD D for thirty two years, right? So, like, I my roots go back, and my like perception mm-hmm. of these things are rooted in a time uh, long, long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, like, charisma as a stat in D anD D has really evolved and changed. Once upon a time, it was a, it was called comeliness. It literally was a stat to represent your physical beauty and nothing more than that, right? And that really quickly was like, this is bad this is not a great mechanic right (laughs) and so i think that in the modern age this is my interpretation of how i'm like getting to warlock is that sometimes the charisma it's not necessarily about this external like influence over people it's about a sense of self and abed i feel like very assuredly knows who abed is Mm -hmm. right he's he's very like rooted in himself right he does not change much from beginning to end like his his arc is not necessarily one of like evolution or growth uh I, that's my two cents anyway
2: yeah
0: yeah austin what are yeah. your thoughts on abed as a character
2: so i would say i love the idea of, of abed as a warlock uh with with the uh the patron of uh the, the media patron uh support the arts um so but i i did sort of circle towards bard um uh, because like bards they're like even though a lot of their uh their presentation is a you know is often seen as being like musical or performative it's about story and that is what abed is interested in. abed is interested in story mm-hmm. um he's not interested in necessarily like mystical knowledge or like strange things out there he's interested in taking what he is learning um so that wizard vibe as well but like how do i channel that into story how am i a storyteller myself you know what he is wanting to be do at greendale is like film he's wanting to be a a creator of uh of stories um and i think there is a degree of of that being a such a core part of, of how he relates that i feel like bard is something that we have to like you know, consider in a, in a in a great degree because Laura Bard is certainly sort of where I'd fall in that space. But I also think the elements of the Bard, in terms of being, uh, you know, being able to like inspire and sort of like uh inspire inspire their allies, like tracks with the way that Abed's kind of weird quirkiness sometimes is just what the party needs to kind of or well, the you know the study group mm-hmm. needs to kind of like click together. You know, his way of viewing the world is what launches them into all of these hijinks in so many ways, you know, that sort of inspires them towards being stranger and embracing their weirdness. Um, You know, certainly when you look at someone like Troy, like who kind of comes in with like a very clear perspective of who he is straight out of high school meets Abed and like is inspired to like let go of all of that and to you know be okay talking about uh you know what batman would would sound like eating a cookie um so i think there is a there's a lot there for me in terms of i would probably put him at a bard but i would it wouldn't take me much to to uh, convince me to to class him as a warlock because i just love that that energy
6: is he a warlock with, like, a, a really high, like, performance score, right? Who just, well, like, what if- tells these stories? I mean, like, a beguiling presence, right? It's one of our vocations. Yeah. Gives you persuasion. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. We
0: do have a yeah. suggestion from the chat as well from, I believe this is JD, who says he has the actor feet. He could yeah. he could yeah. be a warlock with the actor feet as yeah. well.
6: Because I, yeah. I think we're back to, like, what we were talking about a little bit with Britta, where, like, he's going to college to become a bard. Mm-hmm. But has he ever actually matriculated? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) amidst the way, did he fall into, like, a deal with, like, this media? I don't know. Yeah, Uh, I I mean, we do do
2: see a lot of, yeah, we do see a lot of, like, the the stuff that he puts together. And it's often a little bit like, "Mm, this is very student (laughs) film. (laughs) (laughs) Even with uh, Abed, Abed. Like, he is, like, very much uh, not quite... There and I think that's that tracks as well. Like, he wants to be a bard, but I think he's maybe more is so a warlock. Uh, yeah. you know, the actor feed is a good way to kind of fill out some of that. I was thinking in terms of like, uh, you know, race or lineage, and like, I think he's a changeling if we kind of put him in that space because of how oh, quickly yeah. he can inhabit different things and be literally become different people. Uh, Batman walks around the corner, and Abed comes back, and Abed just missed Batman. Um, so I think warlock is where I would go. I feel like that's the better space. I think yeah. you guys have convinced me.
0: I think it's a good spot, I think, because the more you think about Wizard, right, like he does study television, but like you're telling me media approaches, like literally media personified approaches Abed and they're like, hey, you want to make a deal for some magic? And he 100% he's like, yes, all in, whatever it takes, I'm there, right? Like that is that is who Abed is. I think it makes sense
6: even to like some of what Austin was talking about earlier with Warlocks, they don't always know that they're in the deal, you know, like at some point like he's sitting there watching the snow on the screen after like the movie has ended in the middle yeah. of the night and like realizes that he's in like the elemental plane of media, you know, and there is like the voice in the machine just, uh, yeah. and, you know, yeah. I, I, I mean, could really see it. Yeah, yeah.
2: He's, and, uh, he's in the plane the... of stop motion. It's uh... <laughs>
5: <Yeah>. <laughs>
6: to the notion of like race. I was thinking almost like half elf. Boston, in terms of like the half elf, very traditionally is this person that doesn't belong anywhere else, right? The 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 reason it's like a compelling race and it like makes it to the contemporary like players' handbooks of today is because it's this notion that like I'm not. At home amongst the humans I'm not at home amongst the elves I don't exactly fit anywhere I am a person like kind of Completely out of place and like unique to My own experience in the world right um, mm-hmm. Yeah I don't know it's, it's Yeah I could fun. see that
0: too especially Because with Abed I think We talk about growth arcs over the, the series right and I Think Abed is one of the only Characters in the show who stays so supremely consistent. He is always himself. And while he does experience minor growth arcs, right. And having to say goodbye to people and, you know, kind of finding community and finding family. Um, he is so consistently Abed across the board always. And so I, I do, I do agree. I think half elf makes sense because he's not, he doesn't always fit in everywhere he goes, but he's always himself. He is always Abed, right. He's very like toe of the line in that way. Um, I love this. I think, I think Warlock, I think Warlock is the pick. Maybe he has the actor feet. You know, he has a little bit of a, he has that weird charisma where um, charisma is such an interesting skill or stat to talk about because you can, I mean, like anything, you could play it so many ways, right? You could have a terrible charisma stat and, and just be like someone who is so supremely socially awkward and like does not talk to people Or you could have a very low charisma stat and not stop talking and make people uncomfortable with how much you talk. And so I think there's so many ways to read even a high charisma stat for Abed where he's so adorable. We love Abed. He's our weirdo, right? Like he doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily have to be someone who can convince everyone of everything. He's just our lovable weirdo.
6: The dice don't always roll well, Jess. Sometimes you roll bad,
0: you know? It's true. It's true. um amazing abed the warlock uh let's move on to my favorite character on community um Danny edison oh my god yeah yeah pierce yeah that's (laughs) my favorite (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, Annie is so interesting. I find I I had a, like the hardest time. I don't know with her specifically, and I don't know why. And I think it's because she is so multifaceted for me. Philly, what are your what is your gut instinct of where I belongs? had the
6: easiest time of any of them with Annie. Really, Annie was the only one that I was like, yeah, okay, so Annie's a wizard, right? Like Annie is the big brain. Annie is far and away the smartest of all of these people. Now yeah. then, I start to like dig into like, is she a, an illusionist? who's kind of like obfuscating all the trauma and like insanity and like her problems? Is she a diviner where it is really about like more and more? And, and this is where it's like tough to fit exactly into the subclasses. But in my mind, uh, Annie is very firmly rooted in the space of wizard, right? That she's like this aggressive student. She's this straight mm-hmm. A kid, like overachiever coming out of high school. She's like all about the like knowledge, the book knowledge. And like, that's where so much restraint comes from i do think she's like incredibly multifaceted and it's hard to like uh remove the Allison Bree brie uh charisma from all of it right <laughs> i have to try <laughs> yeah, though but, because yeah.
0: if not like literally all of them would be high charisma classes because I, I i guess for me what i struggled with is that yes she's extremely intelligent which makes me the obvious answer be wizard but she also is so cunning like she is so competitive which wizards
6: so totally can be wizards have to be cagey yeah you don't want yeah. other people stealing your secrets you gotta hide your spell book you're out there looking <laughs> for like you know bat poop and like uh you know wisps of smoke and bottles like wizard <laughs> life is rough yeah they're cagey
0: austin i guess one of my like i don't know side thoughts Was like, does she have some? Because she can be like a Jeff, where she has some roguish abilities Mm -hmm. to get her way. If she wants something, she's gonna get it. And I don't know. I don't. I guess I haven't played enough. I haven't played a wizard ever, and I haven't been around enough wizards to know that. I probably know that class. This is why I was thinking
6: like illusionists, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Because illusions, Michael. Uh, No, but
2: illusions are like obfuscating, hiding what's really there, right? Um, Yeah. See, Thank I you. was, yeah, I was, I was definitely leaning wizard for the same reason. Like, I think she, she's such, uh, you know, the archetypical, like she's in the study group as the, like the quote unquote nerd character. Like that mm-hmm. is like the mm-hmm. archetype that she fills in the study group. I think there's a lot that we have to, to put into that. I wouldn't go illusion. I would go enchantment. Which mm-hmm, is sure. about like uh, about charisma, about being able to yep. put on a front, about being able to suggest. We see Annie a lot, kind of lean into like, oh, I'm so innocent. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. so. She like, has whatever. the eyes. She has she the has Disney the eyes. eyes, and she turns them on <laughs> to cast that spell. Yeah, um, to try what to get it? her way. What and is it I that Jeff that says, says? He's so like,
0: you right. keep blinking, but your eyes never actually, your eyelids never actually touch. <laughs> never actually <laughs> but <bark. It's not laughs> they
2: don't actually yeah. 100%. <laughs> like, I think that's where I would fall. But I think the other thing about wizards is that they are actually, like, really multifaceted. Like a really multifaceted class, because you have, just because you're an enchantment wizard doesn't mean that you're limited to enchantment spells. You can still be out there casting fireballs. You can still be out there raising the dead. You can still be doing all of the things that uh, any wizard can do, but you're just like especially good at one type of magic. And I think that uh, sort of degree of flexibility actually really fits really well for Annie in that she can do so many different things. She does have so many options. And I think as well, like, we come into the storyline with Annie and, like, in Mixology Certification, like, she's talking about, like, she doesn't know, like, she's on this path towards what she wanted to do. But, like, is this really what she wants to, like, is this really the the college <laughs> of magic that she wants to be pursuing mm. is, uh, you know medical administration um or does she want something else for her life and i think that also fits really well with the idea of a wizard being someone that is like exploring constantly trying to figure out more about what they're good at what they're interested in navigating their way through this massive field of potential Mm -hmm. uh so, I, I think Annie is, is very cleanly a wizard personally, and, and I would put her in enchantment. If I it's think any that makes help a lot of sense to talk yeah. you
6: into it. Chess wizards are the objectively the best class. And so, <laughs> you got your favorite. Oh, then there we go. The Perfect. Part, right? I'm convinced.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, I think the problem is that, like I said, wizard is definitely where I have le- the least amount of knowledge of that mm-hmm. class. I've never played one, and I've not seen as many of them as I have other classes. To me, they seem like a bit. Harder to read because there. I mean, there aren't a ton of high intelligence classes, right? No, like a lot of them lean on everything anymore. else. Yeah, yep. they're like the one. Um, but yeah, like if we're gonna call like Annie the most intelligent and super, super <laughs> awesome, totally do. <laughs> no. Uh, when they're
6: on 20th level she could like wreck the whole rest of the party by herself Jess that's all oh yes right yeah beautiful we love to see it (laughs) wonderful
0: (laughs) I love this we have such a unique party so far I mean we have we have a rogue we have a barbarian we have a warlock and now we have Annie the wizard um next up I feel like this one has a very obvious answer, but I also think we should talk about some other potential options for Miss Shirley Bennett. Because the very obvious answer is well, she's a cleric who worships Jesus Christ, right? Like that is, (laughs) or I guess a paladin, right? Someone who is so supremely tied to their God. Um, But I do want to posit that when Shirley is feeling a sort of way about things, she can get kind of ragey. She can get a bit hot and bothered and she gets that low voice
2: when she's mad.
0: Uh, So it's an option, Austin.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Shirley was like, as I was kind of going down the list, Shirley was the one that kind of like clinched this idea of like, yes, so many of these characters think they are something else but they are actually a different class. Shirley thinks she's a cleric. She thinks she's out there like healing everyone with her loaves of bread. She's out here, you know, <laughs> spreading the gospel of, uh, of Jesus Christ. She's in this space of being the, you know, being the mother figure, but also not being the mother figure. She's your friend, but also the one who looks after you. She wants to be in that protective mm-hmm. support She wants to be the mother. Or,
0: she wants to mother everybody. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um. But. I agree. She's not a cleric um, in in terms of what she actually is. Uh, Barbarian was certainly something that crossed my mind, but I actually gravitated more towards fighter uh, because I think there is this like indomitability to to Shirley. She's constantly getting knocked down through through her life, but she's constantly picking herself back up, refining herself. And I think what I would sort of distinguish, because even though like anger is something that is very much a part of Shirley's character, and could be sort of grafted onto the, onto the barbarians rage. I think the way that when Shirley gets angry and that voice drops, she is so incisive and sharp in the way that she like mm-hmm. fights back uh, the way that she uses her words. It's not flailing the way that like Britta flails when she is like angry. <laughs> Shirley is cutting. Like she gets to the heart of the matter. Um, and a- like in some ways that are like pretty intense uh in the way that it sort of mm-hmm. shines through. And I think that to me is is more of that sort of fighter quality of someone that can, can be precise when they want to be. But can also like, you know, hold up like a good, you know, pretty sort of even keel. But when they need to get down dirty, they can cut right in and get to the yeah. point.
0: I also think Philly Fighter works because they're very adaptable, right? Like they're, like you said before, there's the most variety probably with fighters. And I do think Shirley is someone who can adapt to whomever she's around Mm -hmm. we've seen her with Jeff and she talks about Vaughn's tiny nipples right like they gossip that's their thing they gossip Mm -hmm. together but we've also seen her be mother hen to Annie and Britta when they need it and you know she has this kind of relationship with Troy as well and I think she kind of is very versatile in the way she adapts to each person that she's around
5: I feel you
6: uh so I'm pretty basic I think and this might be like an indictment of my perspective of Shirley perhaps but I definitely was like okay so clerics the obvious one and I talked about this a bit on the down the hatch podcast but the cleric like is often uh, like like thought of as synonymous with priest and it's not necessarily a priest. You're not necessarily like an acolyte of this God or part of the like kind of religious institution that worships a given God. You're like the embodiment of the God's ideals in the world, right? In a world where like the gods are real or unambiguously like there to answer prayers. Uh, and, And so I was like, God, like cleric is so obvious. Am I like being really simple and basic right here? And I started to really think about monk, in the way that i was talking about like monks are really all about focus and precision and like mastery and i think that shirley has like these tenets of like focus around her that she's not quite a paladin but like shirley's got these real like pillars that she's devoted to in terms of like family god food uh, right, and like she, she's she got like this kind of expertise in cooking. Like, we probably could just give her the chef feet wherever she lands, right? Um, but but I think that fundamentally, the more I worked through it, and I'm being influenced by a DD game I run with Austin, where his lovely wife on Twitch TV slash GM Philly <laughs> plays a community cleric, and the community cleric is all about like the care of the community and kind of food and the like power and the strength in that. And I think that ties mm-hmm. so much to like. Her values with family, which are, like, like kind of overlap with really what her religion is about, which is being part of, like, something bigger. Uh, so I very much just said a lot of words to be like, yeah, I think she's a cleric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, But like, I kind of think she's due. I think the fighter argument is like really good in that same yeah. sense. The fighter doesn't have like the archetype identity that so many of these other classes do a fighter. You could have a million different types of fighter where you could have a hundred different types of wizard. Like they're all going to kind of be in the same space. Mm-hmm. Where like, there is something really focused and precise about Shirley that we could like pin fighter on, but I think she is the cleric. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think I, I also sort of leaned away from cleric. Cause like, even though I didn't want to come into this, uh, this exercise and be like, okay, we can only have one of each class. Yes, there is someone else in the in the in the party, at least of like the characters that I sort of uh, plotted out that I think is more of a cleric uh, for their role within the party, within the study group than Shirley mm-hmm. is. And that's where it's like, I think Shirley thinks she is and wants to be the cleric, but I don't think she actually serves that role in terms mm-hmm. of dynamics, because the party like the study group don't really look to Shirley as the cleric. They often like ignore her the yep. way that she tries to look after them. They're, they're mm-hmm. actively ridiculing her baking. Yeah. They're, they're, close, they're, they're trying to do an intervention for her but baking, which is like Austin doesn't really e- make sense.
6: <laughs> everybody ignores the cleric until they. That's need true. Healing, until true. Until they need you, uh, and they're like, uh, "Hey, cure wounds,
2: Help! Me! help! Cure Stay in the circle." Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I'm uh, I'm wondering if see. Are are we too quick to dismiss paladin as an option? Because paladins very much have this like right, they have this like moral code that mm-hmm. they stick to, which definitely fits Shirley. And like I, I think sometimes, not always, depends on the paladin, of course, with all of these classes, they can have that like holier than thou attitude of like, oh, yeah. oh what I'm doing is the most important. And I mean, Shirley does also kind of fit that as well. I do agree. Like I can see a cleric for a little bit of a different character. Not that we can't have two clerics, but I think Shirley would be the one who like forces like, let me heal you. Stop running away. Let me heal you. Right. Like as a cleric might do. Um, I think
6: it works really well because paladin like splits the difference between something mm -hmm. like fighter and cleric you're like kind of dipping into both those spaces and fundamentally the paladin is about oaths it's about like these oaths that you gain your power from uh, that may or may not be like religious or spiritual in nature right and for me that like ties back to these ideas I'm talking about that like Shirley has some pretty clear pillars that are like always driving her decision making like she's pretty predictable as a character because we know these things about her and i similarly came in with this perspective of like th- with this very specific exception i i tried to be like okay well i'm not going to double dip on classes uh mm-hmm. so i could really i think like paladin is like Pal- you can talk me into it as we're walking away here for sure yeah, yeah.
2: i'm i'm actually sort of like going okay i think paladin might be like at least for like us as a group like a good way to like kind of like navigate and bring all of these ideas together mm-hmm. um Uh, Because, well, like, one of the big storylines, if we're talking about paladins being all about, oh, it's one of the big storylines for for Shirley is her marriage. (laughs) And her marriage now is, like, this idea of, like, what is she committed to? And I think finding something like a paladin as well, where we've still got a little bit of that martial space in here as well like if we were factoring in race she's absolutely a halfling she's you know all about the hearth and the home and i think Mm -hmm. that kind of like helps to sort of fill in some of those more sort of clerical instincts that she has uh but i think i think paladin's a good a good middle ground between where Mm -hmm. we're at and i think it does define a lot about what her perspective on the world is,
0: and they still have an aura, you know. Yeah, like she can they still have, have an aura. protection. Aura.
2: and uh, to your point, Jess, the the paladin,
6: whether correct or incorrect, is definitely the poster child in Dungeons and Dragons for holier than thou. I
0: and mean, that's like, and that is not... the thing that I think <laughs> about when I like, she can be for his. I love Shirley, but she can very much be someone who is just like what I believe is correct, and I am morally better <laughs> yeah. than you. You all should listen to me. Yes. Uh, very much feels like all right. I mean I could see her right she has an enemy she could be a vengeance paladin you know like I could see her being fitting into a lot of these different oath types as well redemption story right she's going to college to be like I still have it I my marriage may be gone mm-hmm. but I still have it and I can make something of myself mm-hmm. uh and I, I could see her fitting in there yeah uh surely the paladin. What a badass paladin she would make as well. You know, I definitely
6: want yeah. to play a halfling paladin now that Austin said that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, you know, put her in like the the get up from the the second paintball. Uh so there's there's <laughs> some there's some energy there. Uh yeah,
0: yeah, I love it. Um, amazing. Before we go on to our next character, let's go to a quick ad break. We will be right back.
4: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Okay. Uh, Now for what I would refer to as, if we were doing like planet earth style, we are here with the heart of the group, I think. And that is Mr. Troy Barnes. Uh, Austin, I feel like I know where you're going to put Troy, but why why don't you explain to me where you think he falls?
2: Yeah, this is this is the character that I was thinking. I think he's a cleric. He plays the role in the party of being this uh, this person that looks out for everyone, that wants things to be, uh, you know, that wants things to be simple, wants everyone to get along, wants everyone to be okay. Um, I, I think that's sort of his role in the party that we see, and obviously, like, it gets really emphasized in an episode like Mixology, um, where mm-hmm. he's looking after everyone, he's caring for everyone. Um, but I also just think it sort of, it very much suits his, his nature that Troy is someone who isn't like, certainly isn't one of the most intelligent individuals of, of our, of our party here. Um, he's not necessarily even like the most, uh, like charismatic, even though we have so much Donald Glover charisma, Troy often like thinks he has a lot more charisma than he actually does in the way it plays out, but he is very like emotionally, Uh, intelligent I think he is very wise in that respect Um, in the way that he interacts with people in the way that he kind of sees through uh, you know some of the barriers that is that is sort of uh, that others put up Um, so I kind of feel like he's you know he's the heart of the party in in a way he is uh, this sort of healing balm and we talk a lot about how Uh, Jeff is the leader of the party uh, or is the leader of the study group, but really Troy is kind of the one that's driving so much of that because he's the one that like really actually cares for the people that he is uh, at the table with. Even for, you know, a character like Pierce, who's very much an outsider and Annie's the one that gets a lot of the emphasis of like that connection. But like Troy lives with Pierce for like a good solid year and like has a connection in there that the others don't. Mm -hmm. um, That I think is very much a, a core part of the party here. So I I would put him as cleric. There was another, like I think given that he has like the huge storyline with the air conditioner repair, like we have to consider something like Artificer. (laughs) But I think in his actual role in the party, uh I put him as a cleric and if I was going to like subclasses, like it's peace probably like it's like let's let's all get along or if we wanted to give the nod to the Artificer side, maybe a forge cleric uh in being able to be skilled with the tools there. But I think cleric for Troy
0: hmm Philly, what do you think? What was your gut instinct for, uh, for Troy?
6: yeah so for a lot of the same reasons that Austin talking about of Troy being this kind of like emotional center of the group he's so like uh, he's the heart he is what you said Jess like I think that in, the, in many ways he is this like inspiration again and again and again I do think that he's like a low intelligence high wisdom character so I can see that kind of cleric thing but uh, I didn't think about that at all I guess I didn't think about necessarily like the role of the cleric in the group though I do think much to the way that everybody ignores the cleric till you need healing. Like once they lose the cleric, it gets it gets rough for the party a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough when you don't have your cleric. But I, I identified Troy as the bard for me uh, because of mm-hmm. all of these same reasons. I think that it, it is really hard to separate the Donald Glover charisma of it all. But even like removing all of that from it, I think that he is this eternal like or, or like kind of infinite like source of inspiration for all of them he's the like pick them up when they're down kind of guy uh even the the like little like singing with abed at the end of every episode like the, the pair of them like hanging out at the library right like that is definitely informing some part of what i'm talking about but uh i think the bard like can play in that space too where troy's not necessarily like this performer but there is something really like inspirational and like inspirational about having this like can't get him down like always smiling kind of guy in the group right he's always like got the positivity yeah
0: yeah I think I can totally see that I can see cleric as well um I'm gonna confuse us even more and throw out a third option that is something that I was thinking about um because Totally agree. Not an intelligent character, right? Like that is not his strong suit. But he is wise beyond his years in that he does become the heart and the center of the group. He is the glue. He is someone that holds people together, uh, especially we like you mentioned, Austin and mixology certification. He's wise beyond his years. He finally is seeing that wow, they don't all have the answers, even though I thought they did. And that takes wisdom to realize. And so for that reason, I'm going to pick a wisdom-based class and say Druid for a few reasons. One being that they are so versatile, right? it probably be a fighter and Druid kind of fight for being the most versatile of the classes in that uh, specifically, I want to point to him being a wildfire Druid because As someone who played a wildfire druid very recently on Philly's Twitch stream, uh, twitch.tv slash DM Philly, I will say that they are so versatile in that they're wise, they can be the glue of the group. They can bring people together. He loves animals. Like, that is a huge thing, right? I'm thinking Annie's boobs. I'm thinking the puppy parade, right? He loves animals. Anytime you could see Troy going up to a puppy and just melting into a puddle because he saw one, right? But wildfire druids can be a little on like the little uh like like sneaky side right they like to mess things up they like to throw fire at things just to see what would happen i think you could totally see troy playing with fire in ways that he shouldn't but uh, as someone who played a wildfire druid damn they have some healing they can do healing if they need to and i could see troy being that person who is adapts when he needs to he could be the heart of the group he can heal people when he needs to but then he also has that side that wants to throw fireballs with abed like i could see him being both and so just to confuse all of us even more that is my pitch for troy being a druid
2: I think that's a really interesting uh really interesting interpretation, especially of the wildfire side of it you know part of the the narrative of the wildfire druid specifically is that fire is a natural part of the way that the environment works, you know burning mm-hmm. it down like reinvigorates. And there's so much about Troy that is like reinvigorating, even in his own journey. Like he comes to Greendale as the jock, as the, you know, the high school, the, the football, uh, you know, champ, and then discovers very quickly that he is someone else. He is. He wild he is a, shapes. He, yeah, he is he <laughs> wild shapes. He like uh, burns into someone new um, that, and then like helps, you know, I think catalyze a lot of other, you know, change and growth in, in others as well. So I think there's a lot, a lot there, even if he uh, doesn't really know uh, how cats and dogs work in terms oh, of their... All cats are gross and all boys are dogs. Oh, God. Um, but uh, I think he, I think there's there's something there. I, I did consider, like, the Annie's boobs of it all, of, like, is he, like, a Beastmaster Ranger in, yeah. in that kind of space? Um, but I think for Troy, like, I think, yeah, we're, we're, we definitely are all sort of circling around sort of wisdom-focused uh, sort of roles in, in a lot of ways. Um, I, I could see Druid as being a good one. I love a Druid. Um, and if we kind of think yeah. about, like, the land that this, like, show takes place in, it's like, it's Greendale. Like, that's the land that he cares about. And Troy, like, is very, like, fiercely, like, loving of, of Greendale and, like, the experience mm-hmm. that he has there. Um, yeah, so it is is something that I can kind of see as... Once he found Greendale, once he came onto that land, he ca- tapped into it, connected into it, connected into its weirdness. It activated something within him. It activated the old magic within him and allowed him to sort of shed this exterior of who he thought he was, uh, mm-hmm. as as the jock as uh you know and and find something that's a bit more true to to his being. So like I could certainly uh see the druid argument uh from that perspective for sure.
6: Yeah. I think it's a good take, but I guess the thing holding me back here is, and this is again, like my very old perspective that's like rooted in the time before 5th edition, Uh, but like Druids are so kind of invested in not people. Uh, I talked about this a little bit, but the distinction between like the Druid and the Ranger, where the Ranger like straddles that gap between like civilization and the wild places, right? They're like invested in like the community on the edge of the darkened wood, where the Druid Mm -hmm. like kind of gives zero Fs about the community so to speak they're much more invested in like the natural world and the ecology the environment the flora the fauna right and they're a little divorced from the like interpersonal dynamics very often now this is like one lens with which to view the druid which is a very diverse class and to your point i think just like it is amongst the most flexible and versatile right while fighters can wear like a lot of different like faces druids can literally move mountains right uh so they can cover a lot of ground, mm-hmm. but I do like, uh, I would want him to be like more rooted in that, like yeah. natural vibe. Right. That's uh, fair.
0: He is all about his people. Right. Yeah. Like in the yeah. way that a bard and a cleric are, they are concerned about their people. They want to make sure everyone is okay. Um, and so I could, yeah, I could totally see that. Uh, so I don't know what are we where are we where are we landing between bard well, and mean, cleric? I think you're, you're the
2: tiebreaker, home. Jess. Uh, no, do you yeah, want to go cleric said, or do you want to go bard? Yes, I am I, the yeah. tiebreaker.
6: <laughs> I, have I think yep.
0: it's really hard. I think I think the thing that really makes me have pause, it gives me pause, is that. Donald Glover himself is so charismatic. And so it's really hard to, and you, how do you, how do you break apart Donald Glover from Troy Barnes? It's impossible. Um, and so it's like the charisma, is it Troy's charisma or is it Donald Glover's charisma? Because I think charisma being the primary thing that a bard needs is where I kind of stumble. Right. I think I got to come down and say he's a cleric simply because I think his main concern is making sure his people are okay. At the very core of who he is, that's his main concern, right? Even though he's more focused on Abed than the rest. He certainly is a, like, being very careful, making sure, right? Like I'm thinking of even the most recent episode we covered. Annie destroys Abed's Batman DVD. And Troy is just like, oh my God, oh my God, what's going to happen? I need everything to be okay, right? Like he he's so concerned. He just wants everybody to be okay. And he wants Annie to tell the truth. And I feel like that is very cleric-like of him. Uh, so I think I think that's where I land. I'm a tiebreaker. That's where I land. Cleric <laughs> for Troy.
2: And I mean, like, uh, also uh, note here: one of the big things clerics can do turn undead. Who survives the epidemiology to the end? <laughs> it's Troy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I think uh...
0: I love it. It's perfect. It's Amazing um great we have such a again just such a diverse party we'd love to see it we
2: do we have a we have a good mix I think yeah. uh of our, uh, our party here.
0: coming up on someone I don't know I'm a little bit torn on on where he belongs uh Pierce Hawthorne Philly I feel like is a tricky a little tricky one to to classify because immediately I'm just like Make him be like a squib. Make him be a human and, and just but, nothing special. You he want no a 0
6: nasty. level commoner, Pierce Hawthorne. You want to take Charlie Chase.
2: I know I'm a level. I yeah.
0: know we make a
2: human Pierce. man lying in the woods. Um, I do. Yeah, like make
6: it as the day as the day he was born, lying in the woods. Oh my god! Uh, I think that so this was a very distinct choice for me. I wandered around a lot with Pierce. I think there's a lot of different as we have discovered over the last hour and a half. There's a lot of ways that you could try to like slice this pie up, right? Um, There's so many interpretations of the characters, of the classes to like figure out where they fit. But I was driven by this idea, especially with the smaller ensemble than something like a show like Lost. Uh, And I am a big fan of like, you know, a lot of people talk about a balanced party in Dungeons and Dragons. You don't need a balanced party. This is the beauty of Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop role-playing games is that we are not confined to programming like a game like World of Warcraft or even a final fantasy Uh, you do not need to match the like programmed encounter Uh, a good like storyteller or dungeon master is going to design their adventures for the group as they exist so i wanted to not double dip but i think that pierce is like the other side of the coin to jeff winger i think that like pierce's role in the show is as the cautionary tale to jeff of like look Do you want to be that guy? Because, like, this is the path that you walk on episode one, my friend. And unless you could discover the value of community and the friends we made along the way being the actual reward of this adventure, then you will become Pierce Hawthorne. And so to me, where Jeff is the rogue that is not a, a, like bad man right Jeff is not evil in his alignment Pierce is the rogue who does not give an F Pierce is like the embodiment of the like it's all about me baby I'm gonna get what I need I don't care who's gotta go down along the way me 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 me. we could call him a thief or an assassin or any number of the other subclasses but I think that Jeff and Pierce are both rogues and it's a very like intentional uh, choice by me in like breaking these characters down that's my two cents.
2: That's fascinating. I love that um, as a as an interpretation. I went a very different way uh, in looking at, at, at Pierce. And I think I agree. He's a hard one to pin down because like, you kind of just want him to be like, the like, eh, no, you aren't part of the party. <laughs> but I think where I went for Pierce and trying to think about like, who is Pierce? Like, what is his character? What does he value? What does he contribute mm-hmm. to the party? I sort of focused in on like, so much of Pierce's story is about who he is. Um, about clinging to what he once was. Uh, clinging to the past, clinging to you know what he considers to be his heyday, um, you know his, this sense of like passing an age and falling into obscurity and falling out of touch. It's all about like something that's very internal. Um, and so I actually lean towards sorcerer because all of Pierce's power came from something that wasn't him. It was something he was born with. He was born into wealth. He was born into power. He was born into opportunity as a, you know, a straight white man. <laughs> it, uh, you know, he is everything that he is, is something that wasn't of his own making, but it is so intrinsic to who he is. And, um, and so where we meet him, I think, in this journey, if we were to kind of cast him as this adventurer in the party, it's like he is like an old sorcerer whose like, innate magic is waning. It is on its way out. And he is trying to like find ways to like rekindle it, to stay relevant, to stay powerful, to, to keep a hold of that magic. But it is dwindling and fading in him. And I think we are sort of seeing it continue to dwindle and fade as he just sort of Let's it go i think pierce can be quite manipulative um in the way that he's creative in a way that i think a sorcerer can manipulate magic around them um i am not like 100 convinced on it but that's where i landed on on Pierce as a, as a sorcerer probably with like uh you know a bloodline related magic i was sort of thinking like draconic magic something's like old and ancient and kind of has like status to it but he is dwindling and fading at the point we meet him in the story
0: Gosh, it's so interesting yeah because part of me wants to say like he's not super intelligent right like and the the fact that chevy chase leans so far into the physical comedy right like that is that is pierce's nature that is where he's getting the laughs is that the physical comedy uh you know i'm thinking like a barbarian where it's just all in your physicality and you're just bumbling around smashing into things but he like he can be uh intelligent. Like I'm thinking specifically of the DD episode, where he gets all of the DD books specifically to take down Neil for no reason other than he is spiteful and jealous. And it is so hard because Philly, I can totally see Rogue. I could see him as the opposite side of, of Jeff, the opposite side of that coin of where, you know. But at the same time, uh, as Jeff wants that alone time he wants to be by himself pierce is the opposite he does not want to be alone that is his fear that is what he is that's why he's been enrolled in greendale for like what like seven eight nine years is he wants to be around people um he fears being left behind he feels being for he fears being forgotten basically and it's so hard to then cl- to throw that all all, all of that um, into a classification, right? Like he would want to be the bard; he would want everyone's attention. He wants people to watch him and and it, maybe fear him and love him, right? Like all in one. Um, but it's I, I find it very difficult. I can see I can see an argument for sorcerer being that it's it's based on inheritance. And like the fact that he grew up with the father that he did and going through all of that crafted in him into the guy that he is when we meet him on the, you know, season one, episode one, the pilot of the show. Um, I, he's for me the hardest to classify because he's very, uh, he can be one dimensional. He's probably the most one dimensional of the the main crew
6: and it's is, hard again, you think it'd make like, it easier but it's not <laughs> it, it's like my old guard uh, like perspective on these things right where it, to me I read rogue in the contemporary fifth edition D&D and what I hear in my head is thief uh, and, and like it, yeah. it was cemented in my mind as like a young d d player as the most kind of like morally charged outside of a paladin right like the, once upon a time there were like hard alignment restrictions on classes and stuff and the paladin was always going to be the lawful good exemplar of virtue and the thief was always going to be a pretty unscrupulous scumbag who will steal your gold if you're not paying attention and like that's the era of D&D I come up in it very much why it's yeah. easy for me to be like nah man he's just a bad dude right like like, him or not we I don't think we get zero at level common her him out of the party right yeah. so like if he's one of them I think that like you know the whole Dungeons and Dragons gambit is such like a, a rogue plot in my mind, right? Of like finding the books of what's he using, what's his real resource, right? He's born with it early, but his resource is money, right? And um yeah, I like the sorcerer argument a lot, Austin, like in that sense that he's invested with this power before he even exists. <laughs> so it's by like no action of his own, right? But fundamentally, the thief's like great resource in the late game is like the resources they have accumulated right it's yeah. money it's like is, a criminal organization yeah. it's an enterprise yeah.
0: yeah is he just the a rogue with the noble fe- or noble background you know yeah, yeah. I, 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 I can think, the yeah. argument for that as well yeah.
2: yeah i think i think absolutely like he's you know rogue with like a noble background he's human he's like someone like inherits the earth naturally they're everywhere <laughs> uh, yeah. at this point but like I really like what I really like about that rogue argument is that idea of being the mirror to Jeff. Um, I think it's such an important thing. Like when you do have like a doubling up of a, a class within a party that they occupy very different spaces and mm-hmm, yeah. they do. And I think there's a fascinating aspect of like, you know, even like within the rogue, Pierce wants to be the rogue, that Jeff is, he wants to be the, the charming yeah. rogue, the one that's out in front, but he is not, he doesn't have that charisma. Um to be able to carry that off and so he has to just grasp what he is. I Rogue I'm convinced. Envy. I like I like Rogue. Yeah. I think yeah, he you know, Big time Rogue.
0: I think envy. I like Rogue because I think I have someone else in mind for our sorcerer. So I think I like Rogue. I think I like Rogue with the noble background for for uh Pierce. I think it fits. I think especially as a mirror to uh to Jeff. I think it's kind of perfect in that way because they are Two sides of the same coin—a cautionary tale, if you will, of like you don't want to be that guy. Look at how alone and sad that guy is. Yeah, Um, and I mean,
2: yeah, we also look at like all of like the various stuff that he pulls off. Like, you know, there is no greater sneak attack than like the whole documentary episode of just like (laughs) punishing people for like no, no, uh, no reason except his own gain. Um, you know he is cunning like rogues have cunning action they are able to be slippery and ineffective he's somehow able to slip back into the study group despite not resolving any of the issues that Constantly, he uh time and again is. but yeah. all of a sudden he's back
0: yeah, and He's that rogue. That uh, like all right fine keep coming in how he he get he that uncanny dodge
6: in like one i know everybody hates him we love to hate pierce right but i think he's one of like the most brilliant um like characters to put in those early seasons of community especially as this foil to jeff and like a, at least like that's was my read like watching those seasons the first time like he's such a smart character to incorporate in like the tapestry of the group dynamic it creates all this interparty tension right yeah. he's like the evil character the group of like mostly neutral and good characters right and like yeah. it's brilliant it's it's really great uh,
0: yeah uh all right i think i think we're comfortable well it's a two rogue party but that's mm-hmm. fine because they like you said philly really, they occupy two very different spaces here um moving on to who, my pick for sorcerer uh ben chang and I think yeah. he is a wild <laughs> magic sorcerer.
2: 100%. He has innate
0: chaotic chaotic energy of just like, and he doesn't even care. He's shooting fireballs everywhere, maybe even on himself. It's complete question mark to everybody. Like it I feels I don't know. I feel like it's very obvious to me that he is a sorcerer. I don't know what else he would go in My that. two
6: cents was like, is he maybe a barbarian? Like, he's a pretty angry guy. He does a lot of, like, yelling and freaking out and flipping out and, like, total histrionic, like, meltdowns, he can't right? control his emotions. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, yes, wild magic sorcerer, right? Like, these were my, like, two notes here. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think one of the other things, like, I noticed as I was sort of filling it out myself trying to get a sense, it's like, yeah, for me leaning on Pierce as a sorcerer as well. It means like we you talked a lot of Jess about how like Pierce and Chen kind of somewhat occupy like a similar sort of space in like the show. Like and it's like do yeah. we really need both of them? Where the there are these like foils that are like <laughs> kind of like unpredictable and like chaotic and like bring in elements that aren't always like in the same tenor and tone as the rest of the show. Um, so for me like doubling down on the sorcerer between the two of them made a lot of sense as well. And even mm-hmm. though we've gone a different degree with uh, with Pierce now into the rogue, which I do think is a better fit yeah Chang is a wild magic sorcerer 100 percent. Yeah, you know, he does extra. anything yeah. and who knows what's going to happen mm-hmm. he's completely unpredictable um but yeah. if somehow it would be incredibly effective at what he does despite having no idea what he's doing
0: that's what it is <laughs> it's like uh when you so for for those who are listening to this podcast who maybe don't know a ton about D um a wild magic sorcerer when they cast spells when they cast magical spells uh, you roll a d100 so a 100 sided die and you fall Follow a chart that is going to say what happens. And it is very much like it could be a great thing. You could heal a bunch of people in your party. You maybe get to to twin your spell, whatever you're casting, right? Like you could do tons of damage and wonder, wonderful things. Or you could cast a fireball on your entire party and kill everyone. And that feels like big Chang energy where he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. But like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't
2: yeah easily and like he like he's like a little like uh you know he's he's a goblin sorcerer like he is this like little Ugh, like impish yeah. like <laughs> mess of a 100%. person that's kind of like we don't want you here uh as much as I love goblins as <laughs> as characters in D&D uh he is as like this kind of like gremlin of a of a character here that mm-hmm. is just the party don't really want around they don't want to be caught in the fireball that he might accidentally set off or yep. but he keeps he keeps being there, he keeps surviving. Yeah. Uh making it through.
0: Yeah. Uh I think that was like that was like our quickest selection. Yeah. It, just, it, <laughs> it just felt easy so one. easy, Very right? Easy. Yeah. Um yeah. on to our last character here, our last main character as of Magnitude? season three. Yeah. <laughs> pop pop. pop. <laughs> <laughs> uh we gotta do we gotta do Dean, Craig, uh Craig Pelton, Dean Pelton um he's such an interesting one because in a different world you could see him as like the the, I mean he's definitely a changeling right like we don't even need to talk about race because he's constantly changing his appearance changeling fits (laughs) Uh, um but I don't know Austin what are you what are you leaning towards for class for him
2: well I mean race I would actually go a different direction but we'll we'll focus in on the class now I had an interesting process of trying to figure out who Dean is because I think it's really easy to look at Dean as all of his theatrics and mm-hmm. like all of his performative aspects of like so we're looking at like the charisma the bard the like the you know he's the representation of the school like he you know is, is sort of in that sort of space but i think when we actually sort of look at dean like he's really not very charismatic as much as like oh. we love jim rash as uh, as mm-hmm. much as like uh you know we love the character People very explicitly don't respect the Dean. They don't vibe with him. He's not
0: inspiring, yeah.
2: He's not inspiring as much as he tries to be. He wants to be the bard. He wants to be this, like, yeah, Greendale. I think Dean is a paladin. And I think he is an oath of the crown where the crown, the, the kingdom that he is devoted uh, to is Greendale. <laughs> Everything that he does is in service of trying to uphold his school. He is trying to uplift and like occasionally he does. Occasionally he makes the right decisions that kind of help everyone. And ultimately, his school is what, you know, helps our party, our study group, mm-hmm. kind of come together and grow. Um, but he is uh for me, I think that's that's where I sort of landed because he is so devoted to this tenant of upholding this thing that he is so passionate about, he cares so much about, um, that that's where that's where I landed on Dean. Is he he has a paladin of, of you know, with his oath to Greendale. I, that's a really interesting
5: take
6: I love the like oath to Greendale I think could like get me to Paladin but I very like I I, I was like Dean gosh like where the heck does he be? oh yeah he's an artificer I think that Dean like does is the guy who wants to be a bard but he's constantly like building 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 not literal physical things right but he's about like building the programs of Greendale these like weird like crazy things that fail the human being right the mascot and ultimately uh, the like the concept the Constant costume changes is like could very much be the artificer. Like, yup, here's like my cloak of many fashions. Here's like my many different like outfits that I am like wearing. Um, to that extent, like I, I don't know. I think that it was. It's about him like constructing these things externally. Though the paladin argument to me is like very straightforward and simple. I just don't. Again, I would say like if if he is a paladin, he's one of these paladins with like bad stats. Like a. Yeah. Non- yeah, low well, charisma. I, I be, yeah, like, ineffective at the job. But like, I do love the connection of the oath because I had some trouble like nailing down Dean mm-hmm. in terms of like what's there for a character. It's also superficial. Like, it's all these like to your point, it's these like BS like superficial theatrics. Right? There's not incredible depth uh, to the character really. And ultimately, I just kept coming back to like so much of what's iconic about him. Yeah, is like this external stuff. It's about like the costumes the wardrobes the like things that he's building and like trying to implement for Mm -hmm. greendale right uh yeah
0: i don't know yeah i think it's so funny because i feel like no matter where we put him he's gonna have trash stats because i'm like okay he could be an artificer (laughs) but he has like lower intelligence right like he's not he's not the most intelligent oh he could be a paladin with terrible charisma the other one i was thinking as we said like you know we we you know slotted abed as like oh his his um his um patron is media. Uh, I mean, the Dean could be a warlock and his patron is literally the community college. Like it's, there are so many, but again, Trash charisma. Like he just he's not gonna have
6: dare dare I ask, is the dean the NPC? Is he the zero? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh,
5: no, no. That to him. Is he, is he get...
6: just an NPC? Is he like the guy who's like I've got an adventure for you? Yeah, week. I was
0: gonna say he is again if you if you watch uh Dragonfly, which is on Philly's Twitch channel, he's the old Ben, he's the one yes. you drag <laughs> along, you can never get rid of because you love him so much. Mm-hmm. It's true,
2: yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like that artifice argument of like that that dean is constantly building and creating um Mm -hmm. that he is he is trying to channel and like he is actively trying to like infuse his school with magic and like artificers are all about infusing items uh you know with with magic um so i think there is like a really strong argument there uh that i i quite like the artificer call i think it also pays pays homage to like his you know, his creativity with the outfits and his like inventiveness and also reinvention and invention of himself. You know, something is awakened in him in season one. And he oh, goes yeah. through this journey of figuring out who he is and reinventing who he is, uh, and ultimately, like, artificers, like, are quite a diverse class in terms of, like, the kinds of things that they can do. It's very niche, but it's also, like, got a lot of, like, little, like, opportunities for different things that they can do. And there is space to be a protector or to look after others. And, like, Dean does, like, very much care about people. He very much cares about mm-hmm. his, uh, you know, his community. And he wants to be a part of it. He wants to be uh, accepted, Um, as, as someone who is is not only respected, but is is liked. Um, obviously, he's got the very strong desire to be connected to Jeff. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's, <laughs> he's very invested in people. Because I consider the Druid thing as well, like where where Greendale is his land and he's mm-hmm. like yeah. the tender of it. But yeah. uh, similar to what you mentioned before, Billy, like if, if we kind of look at Druids as like potentially traditionally like less concerned with the people, even though they can be, uh, Dean is all about... N- you know, the the people, the, the, the actual community. community that is at his community yeah. college.
0: Yeah, I could totally see that. And as you know, with artificers, they can be tankier, right? They can be melee. He mm-hmm. has to have a strong constitution for all the beatings he takes from like everyone, right? Like the fact that he is the dean of a community college that isn't thriving, you know, he needs a hearty constitution. He's a tenacious
6: little guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean. And I think like also
0: <laughs> when you think about them, um, I, I'm sorry, I have not played an artist but like what it, when they put the, like the enchantments on like mm. uh yeah you know. they the enchant yes. objects
6: right yes. they yeah. can't like armor uh weapons yes. for other people they build things right they're like creating these external things yeah, yeah.
0: And I think about just as time goes on, right? We see Dean's office get more and more like stuffed with things, and it kind of reminds me of like what maybe like a tinkerer's workshop would look mm-hmm. at, like, mm-hmm. right? Like it is him in his in his world, in his environment, yeah. um, tinkering yeah. away at this community college.
2: I mean, we we've you know we've got as, as like Richard's like you know we've got the human being, we've got the the crazy, uh, you know. Space race bus. Uh, You know, (laughs) ultimately, ultimately, we're going to get Jesus wept. Uh, He is all about devices, (laughs) things that can like grow. Jesus (laughs) (laughs)
6: wept.
2: (laughs) <laughs> his his community college to the stratosphere. He, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh Ion yeah. Artificer, a hundred percent. Yeah. That's and well I,
6: I, I started at the cosplay, right? Of like with the clothes. He's constantly like making. Them. Yeah. Then I was like, I think actually it goes deeper than.
0: That. Yeah. <laughs> And you know what? Uh, my husband Will in the chat is suggesting I could see Dean as a gnome, hundred percent. Bring oh, yes. him in as a forest yeah. gnome. Yes, people He's people underestimate <laughs> forest gnomes constantly, right? Like this is a big joke. If if any of you are Critical Role fans of like, uh, you know, it's like Scanlan is a forest gnome bard. It's like oh, it's such a useless race and class combined. And it's like no, nay, I say nay to you forest gnome haters. I love a forest gnome. Happy to welcome him to the uh, room
6: uh, Not yeah. to um, actually on your own Podcast Jess but yeah I'm Gonna break your heart that Scanlon I think Is a rock gnome not a forest gnome I believe. Uh, He's yeah. a
0: rock gnome
6: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I literally <laughs> We are, on, we are on a major that. tangent here On our community D&D podcast. Mind,
0: you, Like if you could see what's Happening in my brain yeah, a whole, I mean, Right now the
6: whole gif is like right Here on the screen for us live <laughs> <laughs> I see the fireworks I
0: i
2: mean i, I always knew he was a gnome
0: it. i never knew he was a i just assumed he was a I'm, forest i'm pretty gnome. sure
2: i'm pretty sure he's a rock gnome yeah, but i agree Ryan. like yeah when, when you sort of mention like dean potentially is a changeling like no he's he's a gnome he's someone that looks like you, you can kind of underestimate him like he's small yeah. he's kind of yes. like Adelaide. he's kind of got that like yeah. almost like impish kind of quality to him um but you know he and is, he's a wow, he's bigger He's bigger than than himself. Uh, he is uh, yeah. you know, extends himself so much beyond that. And gnomes take up so much personality. They have big personalities that far outsize their their physical tiny little forms. Um, yes, so, I'm yeah. right
0: there uh, with you. Happy to yeah. welcome him to the gnome clan. <laughs> we love a gnome. We stand a gnome. Gnomes are my favorite race in all of D and D. And I'm so happy to welcome Dean to the group. Um, this has been so fun i like i just like this again i like we joke right down the hatch did it as well but like the places you can go to dissect these characters it is like anything it is it is like sorting them into like enneagrams or into myers briggs classifications or harry potter houses right like it is a vehicle to talk about two things we love community and D D. I i have enjoyed this so very much um, any anything else you guys want to add? Any random thoughts? I mean, obviously, all these side characters can be, you know, NPCs. You got obviously we have to give magnitude the monk. He's though. a monk,
6: right? He's yeah, a monk. yeah. Uh, for the big crossover here, for anybody not in the no, Critical Role, uh, the the biggest of the kind of tabletop role playing Dungeons and Dragons streaming shows. It's huge. We're all big fans of it. There was a great character on the campaign two of Critical Role that was a monk, and every time they threw their punches. They would drop the pop pop. Yeah. Uh, and it's pop, immediately pop. iconic and has cemented magnitude as a monk in every iteration of this that <laughs> you ever decide to do, Jess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Um, Austin, anything else you want to add? Any other uh, random side characters you can sort in your mind quickly if you have any ideas?
2: Oh. Boy, uh, I, th- I, I did sort of try to think through like some of the side characters to try to think like, where, where do we put them? But so many of them are, you know, such a, you know, they're small jokes, they're small gags. So yeah. it's like, there's not, there's not as much a hinge on. There are yeah. NPCs, there are shopkeepers, are, yeah. uh, you know, strange little characters we meet along the way. You know, maybe even our monsters that we've got to fight off. <laughs> uh,
6: Starburst uh, is definitely a monster. Yeah, there's no question.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's talk about high elves. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God!
6: (laughs) A high elf disparage. I will say the one footnote that we got to kick out here, but I think Neil's got to get paladin status, right? Yeah. Can we just make Neil paladin
2: right now? Neil is a paladin, a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, he is. I love Neil. Gosh, he's the best. Um, this has been so fun. Let me throw it to you both. Philly, what have you got going on? Where can people find you? Tell them all about all the D and D that you are running over on your Twitch channel. It is so fun. If you don't watch, you need to, you need to.
6: Uh, thank you for that Jess uh, yeah I'm Rich Filiberto I'm DM Philly I'm at DM Philly on Twitter if you want to hit me up about my bad takes here on this podcast uh, twitch.tv slash DM Philly you could catch myself running Dungeons and Dragons on a pretty regular basis with a bunch of the post show recaps regulars Jess Sterling came and guested on the aforementioned Dragonfly which airs on Tuesday nights where we play D&D in space uh, Spelljammer is the campaign it's very cool kind of Star Wars adjacent stuff to the. Star Wars specifics, I am very excited to be featuring Austin and his lovely bride, Aston Smith, along with a couple of our friends. Just next week, we're going to be running the Star Wars Fantasy Flight Tabletop role-playing game. Uh, We did a one-shot of that on the Obi-Wan podcast a couple of weeks ago with Mike and Grace and Brennan Fitzpatrick and a bunch of our friends. So we're coming back to do that again. And uh, this Sunday, you can catch Threads in the Pattern, which is my Wheel of Time role-playing game show uh, again with a bunch of post-show recaps patrons and friends of the family over there we're playing a version of dungeons and dragons set in the world of the wheel of time uh, for people who love that epic fantasy series uh we do a bunch of dnd stuff over there you can go check it out you can find the vods to all of this stuff on youtube at dm philly uh yeah that's pretty much my take and then i'm podcasting about stuff around here you'll hear me pop up It's
0: good. Amazing. Austin, thank you so much for joining us as well. What have you got going on? Where can people find you? What are you talking about lately?
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Austin F. Smith 8, uh, where I tend to post links to anything that I'm involved in. Recently, uh, uh, a couple months ago now, actually, uh, I covered the great show Outer Range, an Amazon Prime series uh, with Rich here over on uh, Post Show Recaps. Uh, Really good show. Recommend checking it out, especially if you like uh, strange, uh, a little bit of a junction between intimate drama and strange sort of science fiction uh, sort of spaces. There's some interesting stuff going on in that show, Uh, and you can find our coverage at Post Show Recaps. also, uh, if you liked this, this whole D&D uh, event, as we've mentioned a few times, we did it twice this week. We doubled it. It was so uh, nice. So, we did it
0: twice. <laughs>
2: uh, so if, you, if you're into Lost or you just want to hear us sort more characters into D&D classes, you can find uh, a pod over on Down the Hatch where uh, Rich and I went through this same exercise with Mike Bloom talking through some of the major characters from Lost and sorting them into D&D classes. If you like D&D in general, come join us at the, uh, at the Patreon level. Um, at the $10 patron level in the Posture Recaps Discord, uh, where you can play D&D with us. Uh, it's delightful. Uh, uh, all of us are DMs in there uh, telling wonderful stories uh, with all of the folks that want to play. Um, otherwise, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, yeah, check out twitch.tv slash DM Philly, where I occasionally show up, including next week for Star
0: fantastic yeah as austin said come join us come play i had never played before again playing live on this podcast and then really learning the ins and outs in the D community at posher recap so if you're new plenty of people like again aggressively welcoming community that want to help you learn to play D. it is so much fun so if that is something that you're interested in posherrecaps.com slash patreon of course i'm just sterling you can find me here every week talking community with josh wiggler we will be back next week with a normal episode sans wiggler he is still off vacationing and uh, lounging away um so envious but we will be back with season three episode 10 you can find me here and elsewhere shit 90 shows taught me we are covering dawson's Creek. Boy Meets World, uh, we just put out a podcast about the Mighty Ducks, as well as coming out very soon, a podcast about My Cousin Vinny, which I watched for the very first time. I've already rewatched it since. I could tell you right now I'm going to rewatch it again within another month because I absolutely loved it. It's um, amazing, ha- right? It is so good. I've already watched the scene um, where Lisa Mona Lisa talks about the deer. About ten times because it's, so it's something yeah. about like the deer with its little deer lips drinking from the clear cool water. Like I can't, <laughs> I, I I cannot stop repeating that line. Um. So we talked about that with Dr. Amanda. So go check out that coverage at Shit Nineties Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find me at the just Sterling. And of course, I mainly most of my social media is done in the Potion Recaps Discord. So come find me there. At us, tweet at us. Let us know if you disagree with our takes. If you agree with our takes, what you would sort people into uh we appreciate you all listening we'll be back next week with season three episode 10 of community building have a good one everybody and at this point i'm gonna say Corey b take us away this is a show
3: in season three if you didn't know we included the dean,
1: dean. and jazz here till it ends Meet up to pass or fail, dream, hail with all of our friends. The brightest timeline's here to shine the way. Community building
3: is here to stay. Step into the world of power, loyalty.
6: Plus.